Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. The scriptures today are from Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. He expected it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. It shall be devoured. I will break down its wall, and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed, and it shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. He expected justice, but saw bloodshed, righteous, but heard a cry. The word of God, word of life. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 33. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to tenants and went to another country. When the harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? They said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is amazing in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and be given to a people that produces the fruits of the kingdom." The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them. They wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because they regarded him as a prophet. The gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Some of you have heard me say before that two of my favorite questions to ask for just about any Scripture passage are, what does this story say about God, and what does this story say about us? And I think these two questions are a really good lens to get into this gospel story from Matthew. So our story days before Good Friday and Easter, and on Palm Sunday, you remember the story, Jesus entered the capital city of Jerusalem, and then he disrupted the money changers in the temple by flipping their tables, caused a scene, chased them out. And now, the next day, he's in the temple courtyard teaching the people, and some priests and religious leaders come up and they start questioning him. And they want to know how Jesus thinks he can get away with making this kind of a scene at the temple, what his excuse is for flipping over tables, where he claims his authority comes from. And in response to their questioning, Jesus tells this rather odd story about a vineyard. Once upon a time, Jesus says, there was this landowner who rented out his vineyard, but when harvest time came, the renters refused to pay up. In fact, not only do they refuse to pay what they owe, they beat up, they even kill the messengers who come to collect the rent. But if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, right? So the landowner sends some more servants, more slaves to collect. They get the same reception. The landowner refuses to give up. He just does not know when to quit. So he sends one last-ditch effort, he sends his own son to them. These people have just beaten up and killed his first group of servants, his second group of servants. Frankly, sending his son seems kind of risky. I'm not sure what he's picturing happening here. But sure enough, these no-good, murderous, freeloading tenants kill the son too. And at this point, Jesus breaks out of his story and he asks the religious leaders who are listening, the religious leaders, remember, who started this conversation by questioning Jesus' authority, Jesus asks them what they think the landowner will do next. Now, the way that Jesus began this story is, I think, a little bit strange. If you look at that first verse of the gospel reading, he describes a landowner who planted a vineyard put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower, and then leased it out and left. And those very specific details might sound kind of randomly thrown in, like Jesus is adding some color to his parable and making up some details, but those details are actually really important. Because when Jesus' original audience heard those details, they would have understood the connection Jesus was going for. They would have understood that he's using the same language that Isaiah used in that first reading today. And if you're familiar with Isaiah 5, as these religious leaders were, the parallel is clear. Jesus is connecting to this traditional story that people are familiar with. It's sort of a shorthand to make a point. Like in our culture, if we start talking, if I start talking about George Washington and the cherry tree, you know the story I'm talking about, right? Even though it's a made-up story. If I start talking about Christopher Columbus, we all have that same cultural knowledge to know the story. So in Isaiah 5, the prophet Isaiah uses this metaphor of a landowner in a vineyard to describe God's frustration with God's people. And so the vineyard in Isaiah's story represents the chosen people of Israel, God's people, and the landowner obviously represents God. And basically, God is frustrated because after doing everything possible to create a fruitful, bountiful vineyard, the vineyard has not done its part. 
Isaiah says the owner of the vineyard put the vineyard on a very fertile hill, dug it out, cleared out the stones, even built a watchtower for it. Everything necessary for the vineyard to flourish and grow good grapes. God has blessed God's people. God has given them an abundant land filled with flowing with milk and honey, protecting them from their enemies, setting them apart from other nations as a holy people. And yet, despite the best efforts of the owner, the vineyard has produced only wild grapes, which are useless for making wine. It has not produced the good cultivated grapes it's supposed to be. God has told the chosen people how to live, how to thrive, and they've disobeyed. Instead of following God's commandments, instead of loving their neighbor and protecting the vulnerable and building God's kingdom, acting with justice to be a blessing set apart for the world, instead of living the way God intended, they have accepted bribes, Isaiah says. They've allowed the poor to be oppressed. They've put their trust in foreign armies. They've denied justice. Their fruit is bad. So, what is to be done with a vineyard that keeps failing to produce good fruit? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 5. Now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, it shall be devoured. It will be abandoned and destroyed, trampled into the dirt, made into a wasteland. That'll show it. <laughs> That'll teach it to stop growing bad grapes. And historically, of course, this is what happens to Israel. The Assyrian Empire comes in, they take over, they conquer Israel, they take the people away into a long exile. The nations decimated Israel. The land is ruined for decades. And so when Jesus, some several hundred years later, when Jesus asks the people listening to him what a landowner ought to do with a dysfunctional vineyard, or in this case, a vineyard with rebellious tenants, they know the answer. This is that old story, that familiar story from Isaiah. And so they answer, well, let me tell you, he will put those wretches to a miserable death, lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. The answer is to get rid of these tenants, find new renters, knock down the walls, and punish them. The answer is violence. The answer is to fight back, to punish those evil, disobedient people. Do you remember those two questions from a minute ago? What does this story tell us about God? What does this story tell us about us? The religious leader's answer, I think, is the natural human response. It's the right answer according to the world. When we are mistreated, we want to fight back. Sometimes we can overcome that instinct, but I think that that feeling is always there. If someone takes what I think belongs to me, I want to get it back. I want to do something about it. If someone steals from you, it's fair to steal back from them, right? If someone hits you, hit them back harder. Human nature. These people are evil. Not only have they stolen from the landowner, they've killed his messengers, they've even killed his son. Vengeance is more than justified. They deserve it. At least according to the human view. That's what they assume is the right answer to Jesus' question. And then Jesus goes somewhere completely different. He quotes from an entirely different story. Not from Isaiah, where they think he's going. He quotes from Psalm 118, which is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving about looking to God for help and then rejoicing that God has helped. 
And in this culture, remember, quoting part of a psalm can be often a, short, a sort of shorthand for referring to the entire psalm. And again, these are the religious leaders. They know the entire scriptures. And so the verse Jesus quotes is about the stone rejected by the builders becoming the cornerstone of the building. It's a psalm about God doing something unexpected and miraculous. Jesus moves from the familiar expected story of punishment and destruction and exile to a passage from a psalm that people know is about rejoicing. It's about giving thanks that God has marvelously come to the rescue. And so Jesus, in this story, gives a completely different picture of God than the one the religious leaders have. Because, of course, the chief priests and the Pharisees are right. The obvious thing for the landowner to do is to punish the rebellious people, destroy this useless vineyard, strike down, strike back against the people who killed his son. So what does this story tell us about God? It tells us, through Jesus, that God is not interested in the vengeance that we humans would expect. It tells us God is about grace and forgiveness and coming to the rescue, not about vengeance and retribution. It illustrates one of my favorite verses in the Bible. We all know John 3.16, but John 3.17, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. This is our example to follow, and this is a hard stance to take in our world. In those times when we are tempted toward vengeance, we follow, we seek to follow, Jesus' example of mercy and grace. When our world cries out for violence and retribution, we stand for peace and justice. When some insist that God is angry and punishing us, we point to Jesus, who gave up everything for love who came to lay down his life for this rebellious world out of love. And since we know the rest of the story, we know what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about himself. Jesus himself is the rejected stone who becomes the cornerstone. And that word cornerstone, there's kind of a play on words here. That word cornerstone can also mean the keystone, that stone in the middle of an arch that holds everything together, without which everything falls apart which, of course, is exactly who Jesus is. We know Jesus is the Son who came into the rebellious, sinful world and was killed. But we also know that even Jesus' death, even us killing the messenger from God, is not the end of the story because he doesn't stay dead. But by his willing suffering and death, Jesus reveals to us God is willing to do whatever it takes to redeem us. Our human tendencies toward vengeance and death are crushed beneath God's forgiveness and grace. Our unfaithfulness and our rebellion are overcome by the persistent faithfulness of a God who offers forgiveness and grace over and over and over again. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaukee County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org 
or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.